0: remain standing because we are people who are oriented to his word believing that meditating on his word helps us to know him and trust in him and so today our scripture comes from joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 let's give our attention to the reading of god's holy word after the death of moses the servant of the lord the lord said to joshua the son of nun moses's assistant moses my servant is dead No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so Lord, we do pray that as we are hearers of your word, that we would not just hear it and it go in one ear and out the other, but that we would meditate on it, that it would transform our hearts and our lives and Lord, that we would hear your word to be strong and courageous, and that we would be who you are calling us to be. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so we've spent the past, uh, I think it's been five weeks sort of in the, in the wilderness. Uh, some of us, maybe we've been in the wilderness a little bit longer than that. But we've been journeying these past uh, few weeks with the Israelites In the story. Now, just a couple of reminders about kind of where we are. That the wilderness is any experience where you are unsure of how to get out of it and you are unsure of what you will need to get through it. So, there's lots of things that can cause us to feel that we are in a wilderness where we are not sure what to do how to get out of it, what the next thing will be. Um, Certainly that's the case here with this global pandemic, but there's so many other wilderness experiences that we can have. And we know that we're in the wilderness when we're experiencing these things, when we're experiencing confusion, fear, anxiety, despair, that these are common feelings in a wilderness because we find ourselves Overwhelmed by the circumstances. And we we begin to feel it, right? Like we know this sometimes. Whenever we find ourselves unsure or unknowing, it just hits us really hard. Now, feelings are alerts that something significant is happening, right? That's what they are, is they're alerts. And sometimes that can be a really good thing. We can get excited about something, and other times that, that, that feeling of dread. Or terror can strike us as well. We feel angry. We feel upset. Whatever the feeling is, it's a signal that something significant has happened. And the goal is not to ignore our feelings. It's not to say, well, I shouldn't feel this excited, all right, or I shouldn't be this mad. The goal is not to be led by our feelings, but instead to be led through our feelings by the way of God and through God. So let's update us all to the story um, that we have. So the Israelites are God's chosen people, all right, and they are in um, slavery. And so they cried out to God. God heard their cry and sent them a leader by the name of Moses. And, And Moses confronted Pharaoh, who was the most powerful person in the land, and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And time and time again, Pharaoh said, no, no, no. And every time that Pharaoh would say no, there would be a plague that would come upon the Egyptian people as a way of God saying, look at my power in the midst of this. You think Pharaoh is powerful, I'm even more powerful. The last plague was that of the death of the firstborn son. And after Pharaoh's son died, finally he relented and let the Israelites go free. And so they begin to to go free. They cross over the, the sea. God splits the sea and they walk right through it. This miracle happens and they begin to make their journey to the promised land. And so that's sort of where we have caught up with them and we see the signs of God's faithfulness. He's given them Uh, light by day and a light by night and cloud by day so that they would know where their next step would be. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the law so they would know what it is that they were supposed to do. He gave them a leader in Moses who would lead them along the way. And last week my dad preached about what happened when they first got to the edge of the promised land. Now they had been wandering for about a, a year when they got there and they sent out 12 scouts to go and see what the land was like and the land was amazing. It was everything they hoped and they wanted it to be. The only problem was is that the enemy was big. It said they look like giants and we look like grasshoppers. Now, I've seen some big grasshoppers, right, but, but nothing like this. And so they, they, they chickened out. They, they were afraid and, and they were right there on the edge, they, they, they could have entered into the promised land, but instead they chickened out and they had to spend the next 39 years wandering before we got to our scripture today. So we fast forwarded 39 years from last week to this week to find ourselves here. Now what, why did they, why were they so afraid? What is it about that? Now I don't know about you, but sometimes when we find ourselves going through something, we often find ourselves right on the edge And we find ourselves overwhelmed, afraid, at a point in which we don't think that we can do it anymore, and so we run away. All right? And too often, we find ourselves on the verge of a breakthrough, but instead, we are led by our fears and instead experience a breakdown. And so we had only, if the Israelites had only said, God has brought us thus far, God has taken down Pharaoh, he split the sea, he's guided us thus far, he's provided manna from heaven for us, surely he can take down these last of our enemies. It's only the last step. But they weren't ready for that. And instead of having a breakthrough and getting into the promised land, into getting the future that God had for them, they experienced a breakdown. And what we heard time and time again is, let us return to slavery. Let us go back to slavery. Let us go back to the way in which we were living. And that's what so many of us want to do, is that when we find ourselves stressed, when we find ourselves in trouble, when we find ourselves overwhelmed, is we want to return to the last place of relative normalcy that we experienced. What is that last place of safety that we were at? Now, why did this happen? Because I think it tells us a lot about who we are. And this is part of the truth is that it was easier for God to take the Israelites out of slavery than it was to take the slavery out of the Israelites. If all day every day for years and years all you were good for was what you worked to produce, if all day every day you were not good enough, you were not educated enough, you were not capable of doing all these things and you were beat down into it, then that slavery mindset began to take over and 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 that was not even after this year of seeing God's faithfulness firsthand they were not able to get the slavery mindset out of them and so when they saw a big enemy they couldn't remember what Pharaoh that God had defeated Pharaoh instead what they thought was I can't defeat the enemy And so what happens is when our wilderness seems unimaginable, all right, and unmanageable, we run away from it instead of embracing God for the way through it. And I think that that's the truth for so many of us, is that we find ourselves in a situation and we become overwhelmed and we run away instead of saying, God, just help me to take the next faithful step and the next faithful step and the next faithful step. And so kids, in box one, if you're watching at home, if you're here in the room, I'm going to invite you to draw something that seems big or scary um, to you. What is something that, that seems big or scary to you? Now, I want us to think through a little bit of where we are in relation to our situations and in relation to our our lives. Now, I like, uh, I like a box that can help us to understand things, and so I'm going to draw us a box here, all right? Um, and so on the bottom sort of edge of the box, there's this idea of either I'm capable to do something or I'm helpless, I'm unable to do something, right? And on the other aspect is either I'm hopeless about it or I'm hopeful about it. And let's talk about what each of those boxes mean for us and what does it mean when we're in a wilderness experience. Now, if we find ourselves capable but hopeless, we find ourselves being apathetic. Like, I can do it, but it doesn't matter. Um, I, you know what? I could go and, and accomplish this thing, but what difference would it make? And I imagine we've all found ourselves in a place of apathy in which we could do something about our situation, but we don't feel a hope about it. It wouldn't do any good. It would just be turning over the same thing. Maybe you feel like you've gone around and around and around in circles and you're capable of doing something, but what's the point, right? Now, the next box is if you're hopeless and helpless, this is a terrible place to be because it's a place of despair, is you can't do anything about your situation and nobody else can. Um, That it's not not good and it's not gonna get any better and it doesn't matter what we do. We are hopeless and we are helpless. And maybe you found yourself there from time to time of just it doesn't seem like anything is gonna matter. Now, if you find yourself capable and hopeful, what often we find ourselves in is that we're dealing with pride because we're like, hey, you know what? I can do something about it, and I feel that there's hope because I know that I'm capable, and thus then I'm going to do it. And this may sound like a good thing. I'm capable and hopeful, but really it's a negative experience because what happens is, is that we become self-reliant. Is that we can think, you know what? I could do this, and so thus, God, I don't need you. And, and, and we begin to think and begin to believe that we don't need God in order to be successful or to live our lives, that, that we become prideful and think that I can do all things. One of my favorite movies growing up is, is Back to the Future. And one of the pieces of advice that um, Marty gets from his dad is that you can do anything you put your mind to. That's a lie. That's not truth. That may sound good in a movie, but it's not true of who God is. What our scriptures tell us is that I can do all things through what, through him who gives me strength. It's when I am reliant on Him, instead of me trying to do it all, that I am cap- that I am truly able to live the life God would have. And so what God wants us to be is actually in this last box. It's when we are helpless yet hopeful, because it is there that we are humble. When we are helpless, we can't defeat the enemy. But we're hopeful, God, you can. Then there's a humility that says, God, let's do it together. And throughout my life, it is when I have cried for help from God, and God has delivered me that I've seen the best results of my life. There are some things that I've been capable to do, there are some things you are capable of doing. And it's a really dangerous thing when we're capable of doing things by our own effort. But it's when we come to God and say, Lord, I surrender, my life is unmanageable. I can't keep doing it this way, that then I see God's power and goodness at work in a way in which I can't imagine. And so maybe today you find yourself at a place that is unmanageable. Maybe you find yourself at a place in which you can't move forward and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's an addiction and you're like, God, you know what? I've been in this addiction for so long and, and I've tried all these different things and it doesn't work and I keep trying things and I keep thinking that I can do it, but I, I, I can't. And God, I just I've given up my hope and I've given up hope in anything, even you in the midst of it. Maybe there's a family tendency and, you know, your mom was angry and your grandma was angry and your great-grandma was angry. And you think, you know what, we just have angry females in our family or maybe males. Your dad was angry, your granddad was angry, all that sort of stuff. And you just think, you know, that's just who we are. And we think, you know, nothing is going to change in the midst of it. Maybe, maybe you keep thinking about all the mistakes you made in the past and, and you carry around all this shame. And as you carry around the shame, it becomes heavier because you say, you know, this is who I am. I'm this shameful person who does shameful stuff and I carry that around and that's who I'm always going to be. Maybe you just got a diagnosis and, and you're just overwhelmed by, by the, the disease and by all the stuff that goes with it and you just think, gosh, there's no hope. And, and it becomes part of a mindset It becomes part of the way we see the world, and and we, like the Israelites, we find ourselves with these ways of thinking and seeing the world that are damaging to us. And so we have a choice to make. Either we are going to die with it, or it needs to die. Either we're going to die and be angry and bitter, or our anger and bitterness has to die. And here's the thing, is that you can't kill it yourself. I wish I could. I wish I could say, you know, I no longer want to get upset. I no longer want to be angry, but it doesn't work that way. The only way it works is to say, Lord, you've got to kill this because I can't. I've tried everything I can do. Self-help is a myth. God help is the only way to do it. And so what we want to do is to put ourselves before God and say, Lord, you need to kill whatever it is inside of me. We no longer want to be slaves Slaves to fear, slaves to our sin, slaves to our own brokenness. But we are children of God who have been redeemed and who God has a purpose for. And so whatever it is that, that it just feels like it's hanging in you right now, whatever that fear is in this moment that you're experiencing, I want you to take this journey with that and say, God, I'm gonna try to give it to you for the next 15 minutes. I just wanna give you this to see what you're gonna do. Because either it's going to die with you Or it will die. And I hope it can die even today. And God's word to us in this text is repeated again and again. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. This is God's word to us. Is that in the midst of feeling afraid of an enemy that seems too big, his word is be strong and courageous. And so kids in box two, I'd like for you to draw a picture All right, of someone being courageous. What does courage look like to you? Now, I, I'm really interested in what it means to be courageous. Like, this is something we say, yeah, you should be courageous. But the question really is, is how are we supposed to be courageous? I, um, I think about the game Frogger or the game Crossy Roads. Maybe you've played one of those games. Um, but, but being courageous is not just trying to get across the road as fast as possible, right? Because if you jump and a car comes across, then, then that's not being courage. That's not courage. That actually doesn't work out too well for you. When I was uh, in high school, there was a group of my friends, and we were out in the front yard. And all of a sudden, one of my friends, um, he decided to lay down in the middle of the street, in the middle of a neighborhood. And at that precise moment, as, as God would have it, a police car drove up. And uh, the police car did their little siren thing, and he sort of sat up in the middle of the road, and he got on his little loudspeaker, and, um, and he, he told my friend, and it was great, I'll never forget it. he said, there is funny, and there is stupid, and that is stupid, Right? That there are sometimes what we do, we think is being courageous, but it's really not. Courage is more than just going. It's knowing when and how and why and with whom to go. All right? And so courage begins by having complete and total trust in God. It is all about having complete trust in who God is. I mean, this is what our scripture said. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law, not just some of it, all the law, that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And so every step we take has to be a step of courage. We can't just take a few steps and think, oh I've I've taken some courageous steps, now everything's going to work out. No, we have to be careful to not turn from the left or the right, to not begin to do it our way. But every step has to be a step of faith. It's about having complete trust in who God is and what God is gonna do. And we really see this playing out with with the Israelites here in just a couple of chapters later on in the story because they're going to go fight those enemies that were so scary 39 years ago. And they went to go fight the battle of Jericho. Now, a lot of us, you know, the only thing we know about Joshua and Jericho is the song, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Some of you remember that from um, from Sunday school? That's about all we know, but the story is really crazy. I don't know a lot about fighting wars, but this is a terrible strategy that God tells them to do because what he tells them to do is he says, when you get to Jericho, I want you to, to spend six days and each day walk around the city one time. Now that would be, there's people on like the tower walls who, who would be able to shoot at you, right? Like that doesn't seem like that would be the safest way. But the people trusted God because the slavery was out of them. Because they had seen and they believed that God would be with them. They did what God said exactly. And so for six days, they walked once around the city. And then on the seventh day, they walked around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, they blew the trumpets and the walls came tumbling down and they were victorious. I mean, that is just a crazy way to fight a battle. But when God fights your battles, it doesn't always make sense because his ways are so much higher and greater than ours ways. And this is who he is. And so they had complete trust in God. But courage is not just trusting in God, but it's having wise insight from God. It's about knowing what to do and when to do it. I mean, at the beginning of our scripture, we heard this. This is the New Living Translation now. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. Do you hear what it says? The time has come. Now, courage is not about disregarding the enemy. All right? Instead, it's about receiving insight as to how to defeat the enemy. It's not saying, oh, the enemy doesn't exist. We can just do our own thing. But it's about saying, Lord, what is the right way for me to move forward? Now, here's what I I use the word insight. Discernment is another good word. But this is my understanding of insight. Is that insight is knowing the right thing to do in the right way at the right time. Now, we have all probably had experiences in which we did the right thing in the right way at the wrong time and that didn't work out too well right all right or we you know if we do we know if we do the wrong thing that's not going to work out but each of these matter It doesn't just matter that I have good intentions, but I need to have good timing as well. And that comes from insight from God. And it's just like, again, on that Frogger or Crossy Roads or whatever it is, you gotta know when to jump forward and when to jump back, when to go to the side. You have to sort of plan it out. You can't just go. Courage is about having wise insight from God, knowing the next right step. And one of the ways that we know that, sometimes we say, how do we know what God wants us to do? Is it's because we become so enmeshed in his word. The scripture said this, "The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." And so how do I know what God wants me to do? As I have to meditate on his word, I have to let God's word be the most transformative part of my life. We are discipled by what we give our time to and what we give our attention to. And it's scary to me what we give our time to and what we give our attention to when God's word is clearly saying, I will tell you what to do if you will just be with me and listen to me. And one of the words that comes through Scripture is this idea that you can hope with God because that's part of courage. Courage is having consistent hope with God. All right, That we have hope because God is with us. Verse three says this, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Verse five says it this way, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And so we have to have consistent hope with God because there are some times in which it looks dim or it feels dim, but it's really not as dim and we have to consistently hope that we can move forward. Uh, there was a, a time a, a while back, I had a, I had a big meeting that I had to go to, and, and I was the least powerful person in the room, which meant at the end of it, it didn't matter what I wanted, it was really about what was going to happen with all of these other players who were a part of it, and I was really anxious. And again, it's a signal, all right, that I need to turn to God. It's an indication that I need to turn to Him, and so I got to the meeting really early because that's what I do when I'm sort of anxious, is I'm, you know, prepared, and And I got there, and uh, on the way there, I listened to the song called Do It Again. And it says, um, you move the mountains, and I believe I'm going to see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. And so when I got there, um, I just drove around the building where the meeting was at, and I just listened to that song. And I just had hope with God that he was going to be with me as I move forward. And he was going to be with me in there. And that God was going to make a way when there seems to be no way. And there are some of us right now who are struggling because our hope has waned. Because we looked for hope at the beginning, but it was more wishful thinking than it was hopeful thinking. And we we have to believe that God is good, and God is good to us, and God is good at being God. Now, the last power about courage is often what most of us think about courage is this, is that courage is having fearless bravery from God. I love what we sang earlier, you make me brave, right? It's not that I muster up braveness and then I go out, but we have to rely on God to say, Lord, you make me brave you give me your strength, you give me your goodness, all right? So many of us, we struggle with being brave because we try to do it all ourselves. And so that's why these words are so good. Have I not commanded you, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God saying, the reason why you can be brave is because I am with you, and I can receive that bravery from God, and part of courage is knowing you're going to get opposition, knowing that there will be pain in the process, knowing that it's not always going to be easy, and the larger the resistance in front of us, the greater the resilience you're going to need from God. And some of you are in such a wilderness or the enemy seems so big that you just like, I don't want to experience any pain. But courage means you will experience pain, but that you won't experience it by yourself and that God can make you brave and can be a big part of your healing. All right? Courage does not mean you won't experience pain. It just means that the pain that you do experience will not defeat you. Because he that is in you is greater than he that is in this world. Now I think about the story of David and Goliath. When I think about this fearless bravery, this young shepherd against this huge mammoth Goliath, and as we think about Goliath, I mean, um, you can imagine this mocking figure who stands over people, and 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 everybody was afraid except for David. Now, why was David not afraid? There's a couple of reasons. Everybody else saw Goliath as a giant. Fighter, but David, his perspective saw him as another animal, and so he is like, I've taken down lions and bears. Goliath is no different than an animal to me. All right, and so he was fearlessly brave as he went up against him, and so we even see that in what he says. And so Goliath sort of taunts him and's like, You come at me with sticks. Why would you do this as he came with his slingshot? And this is his response. To, this is David's response to Goliath. You come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. He's like, I don't come with sticks. I come with God. All right? I don't come with just a little bit. I come with all of this. All right, it makes me think of the, the movie Endgame. I don't know if you've seen it. If not, I'm going to try not to spoil it very carefully. There's this big moment in Endgame in which it doesn't look good. But then all of a sudden, when, when it doesn't look good and our heroes are at their worst moment, all of a the sudden they look back and there's this whole army that is there to support them. It's like I'm not just coming at you with sticks, but I've got all of this with me. The God of angel armies is on our side. And so we don't come with our enemies uh, with just a few sticks, but we come with the very presence and the very power of God. And that is why we are brave. It's not because we are capable, but because God is able. And so, kids, in box three, I'd like for you to draw a picture of David defeating Goliath. What did that look like for David to defeat Goliath? So, this is courage, it's not easy. All right. And it's loaded with stuff. So courage is having complete trust in God, wise insight from God, consistent hope with God, and fearless bravery from God. This is the pattern of courage. You need all of these. Trust, insight, hope, bravery. And so now I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to start with the kids. All right. Kids in box four, write or draw a picture of somewhere you need to have courage. But adults, I want you to do the same thing, all right? What is a place in your life in which you feel overwhelmed? You're not sure exactly what to do, and what you need is courage. You need to trust God in the midst of this. You need God to tell you exactly the right thing to do at the right moment in the right way. You need to do so with this sort of hope that is consistent step-by-step, day-by-day, and that you need to be brave, not just to take the first step, all right, but the tenth step, and the 20th step, and the 50th step. And maybe some of us in this room, we find ourselves at a place in which we're right there on the edge of the promised land, and we have a choice to make. You can give in to slavery, and you can turn around, and you can go back and try to find the last place of comfort, or you can push forward courageously, trusting God. And we are here today because we believe that Jesus is the embodiment of courage in our world. I think about what he did for us at the very end of his life. He had complete trust in God. I think about his prayer when he he knelt down and he said, My Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. No matter what happens, I'm going to show courage in trusting in you. Even when they're whipping my back. Even when I'm forced to carry the cross uphill. Even while I am there with my hands extended and the blood pouring over my head, even then I will still trust you. He had wise insight from God to know what to do and when to do it. He went away to pray, and, and it tells us in the scriptures, um, when, when it was time, he said, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now is the time he knew what he was supposed to do. He had hope. Time and time again, he told his disciples in the time leading up to his crucifixion, he was going to die he, but he was going to come back. He never wavered in his hope. And he was fearlessly brave. One of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews 12, two. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so why did Jesus go all through all this? It's because of what God was doing, the joy that was set before him. That there was a better tomorrow than today. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow and we can see a victory. And so I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And I don't know exactly what you need, but I know ex- that you exactly need Jesus and that Jesus will give you exactly what you need. But so many of us, we find ourselves trying to be capable and hopeful. And we keep trying to do what we know how to do time and time and time again to solve the problem. Or maybe we're so afraid that we retreat from it, all right, and we feel despair because we don't feel any hope. But what God is telling us today is that we are to be strong and courageous. Whatever your wilderness experience, if you want to get to the promised land, if you want to get to the other side, that now is the time to say, Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of being tired. This addiction is too much. It's ruining my life. This pain that I carry around, this burden, this shame, whatever it is that you're experiencing and I'm experiencing, Lord, I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm overwhelmed because I'm trying to do it all. But what we really need is God. And so, my friends, I don't want you to wander around in the wilderness forever. Some of us may feel like we've been there for a long time, but I don't want that for you. But I want you to see a victory. And that means that you have to give yourselves to God, that you have to surrender it. And so whatever it is that that is overwhelming you today, and I don't, maybe you're in here and you're not overwhelmed. Maybe you're watching this and you're not overwhelmed. But I know some of us are. And it is not going to change unless you let God change you. It's not going to get any better until you say, Lord, I can't. And then say, God, give me the courage I need to take the next step of faith and the next one and the next one. And so we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm just going to invite you. The altar is open, and maybe there's something that you need to say, God, I'm so overwhelmed. The wilderness seems too much, and and I just want to give it to you, God. Maybe that's been your life, and you've been trying to do it all yourself, and finally you're going to say, Lord, I can't be Lord of my life anymore. I want you to be my Savior, and you need to come forward and pray. Whatever it is going on, we're just going to invite you to receive the goodness and the power and the presence of God. So, I'm going to open us in prayer and then we'll have a time of prayer. But let us do that together. So, Lord, we do. Lord, we got to admit that we are tired, we are weary, we are weak, we are overwhelmed. Our life has become unmanageable. And we are powerless over so much. We're powerless over our need to control. We're powerless over the shame that we feel. We're powerless over these behaviors that we don't want to do or this way of seeing the world that that is damaging to us. We're we're powerless to, to win. We've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've done everything that we could do or we've just given up hope. And so Lord, what we pray now is for the courage to believe that what you've done before that you can do again. That whatever enemies that may seem like giants to us, that may seem unbeatable, that that is exactly where you want us to be, because we can't beat them on our own, but we can be completely dependent on you. We can be helpless yet hopeful, and then we can take the courageous steps of faith. And so right now, I just pray for this room. I pray for the rooms that are watching this. Lord, that you would make us brave. That you would give us the courage to take the next steps of faith. That we would not live in fear anymore. That we would feel fear, but we would trust in you more. And that we would believe, God, that you have a promised land for us. And that we would not give up and break down, but that you would provide a breakthrough for us. And so, Lord, that's what we pray for right now is a breakthrough. Lord, would you reveal insight to your people right now? Would you tell somebody that it's okay they don't have to be perfect anymore? I know growing up you expected to be perfect. I know growing up you thought that was what you had to be, but you don't have to be perfect to be a child of God here today. Lord, I pray for the person who's afraid of the future. Maybe everybody else seems to have their future together, but this person is so afraid because they don't know what the future will hold and that is killing them. Lord, can you say I'm the God of tomorrow to them today? Can you tell them that it's going to be okay because you are a good God and you've got this day after day that just as, Mo- just as you were faithful to Moses, that you'll be faithful to them and that you will not leave them or forsake them so they don't have to be afraid of the future path because you're already there. Can you speak to that person today? Can you speak to the person who's timid, who has been frozen in fear, who doesn't know what to do and, and, and actually does know what to do, They know what to say. It's on the edge of their mouth. It's on the tip of their tongue. They know what to do, but they're so afraid because of all these other reasons. Lord, will you give them the courage to be bold in you, not in themselves, but in you. And Lord, I pray for the addicts. I know exactly what it feels like to be one of those people try to hide the shame, to walk around with the burden, to try to be okay for everybody when you know you're not okay. And I pray for the addicts today. Lord, they know their life is unmanageable. Could they admit that to you? And can they say, today, God, I need you more than ever. So Lord, I believe there are more words to your people, but you're going to give them to them directly, And so, Lord, we're going to come to you in prayer. Whether we're at home watching this or whether we're in the room, Lord, we're going to have this time of silent prayer. Speak to our hearts and souls. So, Lord, we open up this altar. We open up our hearts. And, Lord, may we be people who believe that you make a way when there seems to be no way and that we will see a victory because of you and your love.